chiropractic brought out that potential. So it was, you know, no hope. Chiropractic restored it, and it, it literally changed the trajectory of his life, his potential, and ours. Because now every single day of my life, I am reminded of this miracle that chiropractic provides. This is your host, Doc Schrock, and this is Life Alive. Let's dip into the how and why healing stories can transform lives, including your own at a time in history when it matters most. It doesn't matter how you started in life, it matters how you restart today. It's that time to reawaken your hope, purpose, and passion to heal, grow, and find your flow into a life that has meaning. Let's go. Warrior mom, chiropractor, and unstoppable advocate of health, Dr. Erin Callahan is on the show today to take us through her son's journey through a vaccine injury and his recovery from that. She's a Navy kid. She's also a United States Air Force veteran and Army wife. Her two beautiful children are doing well. They are Liam and Lana. And she was driven to be a chiropractor after seeing what her son went through and seeing her son being able to be assisted by chiropractic, among other things, after a vaccine injury. I encourage you to lean into this topic. I know it's a tough topic to talk about. It's a hot button for many people. But I just want you to gain some perspective and know, most importantly, that you are not alone in trying to do the right thing as a parent. Dr. Aaron is here to ensure you and is honored to have the opportunity to restore your hope because she doesn't want any parent to feel powerless just because something else may feel more powerful than them. Let's listen up and listen in. Hey guys, welcome back to the first Life Live podcast of 2021. And I am so excited to have Dr. Aaron Callahan on the podcast. Welcome, Aaron. Thank you so much. I'm very, very happy to be here. Um, so I want to start at the beginning of Liam's life. And if you want to take us back even before that, if you need to give us a little bit of information about uh, who, where you were in life and uh, any connections that you want to make to being a new mother as well and, and get us in the mindset of that. But let's just start at the, the beginning of you having Liam. This is you having your first child. Tell us about that. Okay. Yes. So Liam was definitely a surprise. Um, he, <laughs> he began his little journey very, very early and um, in our marriage. And my husband and I had only been married for maybe a month when we found out we were pregnant with him. And it was right before my husband was deployed to Afghanistan. So that was very stressful. Um, at the same time, such a blessing, obviously. I do not regret a thing. Um, one of the things I will say is that when, when you are a product of the military, being a Navy brat and then also joining the military, and being married into the military, it's um, it becomes very clear that you just listen to what other people tell you. 
and you do what they say you have to do because you are government property. Basically, they they will literally literally tell you that you are government property. <laughs> Even at one point in um, in my career in the Air Force, um, so one of my friends got in trouble for damaging government property by getting a very bad sunburn. <laughs> So you can imagine the mindset. Wow. Okay. <laughs> right. 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 So um, when we found out we were pregnant with Liam, it was very early on, and um, I was having extreme pains. Um, come to find out, it was a cyst, which is very common. It happens very frequently with um, new pregnancies, and um, they usually just go away. Sometimes they converse, but regardless, um, they. Thought, and when I say they, I mean the military hospital thought that my son was ectopic. And without double checking anything ever, they wanted to go in and remove my fallopian tube and my ovary, which honestly, thank God, I look, I look back now and, and I, I remember feeling, hmm, that doesn't feel right. I feel like we should wait. I feel like, you know, this is not this is not my journey. And that was really the start of my listening to my intuition and listening to my gut. And I'm, I'm so glad because if I had listened, then not only would we not have Liam, but we would also, um, had a lot of fertility challenges. So come to find out it was a cyst and, um, Liam was just very, little, little, little. And my mom actually nicknamed him Nemo because they couldn't find him on ultrasound. Wow. Um, fast forward <laughs> nine months. And, um, along the time of my pregnancy, it's really interesting because I was an Arabic linguist in the air force. And when you think about pregnancy and you think about what we tell our patients nowadays during their pregnancies, how, we want you to make sure that your body is in that growth, development, healing side of your nervous system. And we want to try to avoid as much as possible that fight or flight system. Um, literally, my entire pregnancy was fight or flight. And a lot of it had to do with you know, the lack of support. I was by myself in, in Georgia. I had no family. I had no friends there. My husband was in Afghanistan and his job was very stressful as well because he was also in Intel. So as you can imagine, newly wed and newly pregnant, um, the amount of stress that we had as a new couple was it, through the roof. Um, when How important I, looking back uh, just from baby one to, to fast forward to your second child, Lana, how important is that social support system? Huge. It's huge. Um, it, not just social support, but then also like your birthing system. Like I, I think having a, a support system, both mentally, physically and, and socially, all of that is so important. You need to be able to bounce ideas off because when you make decisions out of fear, then it's, it's not going to, end up with whatever it is that you felt you wanted and needed, if that mm. makes any sense. So sure. when you, sure. when you, when you ask questions and when you research and when you get, get information that makes you feel okay, 
I always tell my patients, I want you to go through a birth plan and have plans A through D because I want you to, to look into things that can happen and be okay with this result and that result and that result. Because if, if all of a sudden we're in labor and we're asking our bodies and our nervous systems to make very scary and last minute decisions, then they're going to be fear-based and they're not going to be based out of, Hey, my body can do this. I was made to do this. I can, you know, A, B, C, or D. Right. Right. So the, the support system is huge. Having and you had virtually none at this point. <laughs> right. I had none. And you were in a very highly stressful Intel. I, I, am, <laughs> I don't know anything about the military, but it sounds serious to me. Yes. It was very stressful. It's, um, it's very much a uh, war zone, but on, you know, in our ears, you mm-hmm. know? Sure. So, you know, any, any, any story or, or whatever it is that we hear through the grapevine or in your own little shop about any soldiers going through any struggles or anything like that over in, in theater, it, that turned into my husband. So it's, it was very stressful for me because even I can remember one specific time I almost called the red the Red Cross to say I was in labor and falsely say that because my husband was on the phone with me and um, you know when you're on the phone and overseas it's it's very shoddy and he I told him hey my phone's gonna die just wanted you to know that so you don't freak out I'm almost home um, just in case okay mm-hmm. <laughs> well. All of a sudden I hear it like that. And it sounds like that whenever there's just a dis, like a, a disruption in the communication. I thought there was some sort of bombing. And then he didn't call me back because he thought that my phone died. Right. Oh, <laughs> and wow. so I was maybe 10 minutes away from calling the Red Cross and falsely saying that I was in labor just to check in on him and make sure he was okay. Um, right. He finally called me back. So. Awful. And then fast forward to actually the birth. It sounds like dad arrived just before <laughs> Liam did. Is yes. that right? Tell us about so, that. So I went into labor um, 48 hours, 24 hours before John was supposed to um, come home for R&R, which is the, a two week in a two week. I don't want to call it a vacation, but basically you're home on leave for two weeks and then you go back. Um, and it just so happened that, um, he was on his way home from Afghanistan at the same time that I went into labor. I had nobody (laughs) and, um, my mom, bless her heart. She is, this woman can get anything done. She got on the phones and made sure that his connecting flights were immediate. They had, um, they had the USO actually come onto the his flight and saying, "Hey, Sergeant Callahan, we need you right now. Your wife is in labor. You need to run to this next plane because if that hadn't happened, he would have missed the birth because John got there 45 minutes before Liam was born." Wow! What right? A, what a blessing in coordination and, and thanks, <laughs> Mama Callahan. Wow, that's yeah. unbelievable. So, so Liam's born. What happens after that? What's where's the story go from there? Oh golly, it, it was <laughs> Murphy's law. If it was, if it was something bad was going to happen, it was going to happen at that point. So, um, 
John is home. We have a beautiful time together. My mom um, got there about 15 minutes after Liam was born because um, she was driving down 95, like going like 100 miles an hour. Um, but she got there about 10, 15 minutes after he was born. And she was there helping us out, you know, new mom, new dad, definitely um, a blessing at that point. Then after John went back to Afghanistan, our house burned down. Wow. <laughs> so, I did not know this part. You're right. I know. It's, it's so crazy to think back at all the stuff that we went through as a family. Um, sure. So... I'm sure many people that are going to listen to this can identify, though, because that's just life, right? I right, mean, right. There, there's so much pain and um, so many valleys in life. And to to try to figure out how to feed yourself and nourish yourself during those times is very difficult. So uh, I know that people are going to learn a lot from and identify with, with you know, the dominoes falling as they are in, as such in this story so far. Right. Right. So, so was Liam healthy? Was uh, what was going on in the beginning? And Yes. So his birth was pretty unremarkable with regard to any trauma. Um, aside from the fact that, um, and this is where I pull a lot of my, my advice for all of my patients is um, it, my birth should have never had any interventions whatsoever. Um, I didn't have a support system telling me that I could do it. And I had, um, I had a military hospital telling me, oh, no, you can't push. No, you're not going to be able to do this without an epidural and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I panicked. So I got an epidural. And at that point, without even letting me try to push, they used a vacuum. And within one push after that, he was completely out. Perfect. But now looking back i can say that all of those interventions were not only unnecessary but they were also very harmful um so what we saw was obviously if, you know not from a medical professional's opi opinion and definitely not from a chiropractor's opinion but um what we saw was a perfectly healthy little boy um what eventually transpired was a little less of that. Liam was constantly sick, constantly. He was 100% fully vaccinated. He had ear infections after ear infection after ear infection to the point where we at like, I don't know, 18 months, this poor kid had had so many rounds of antibiotics that we had to have the most intense um, form of an antibiotic that would normally be reserved for like C. diff, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's what he had to have because he didn't respond to anything else because he didn't, he already, he'd already had everything. Hmm. And just right there, I want to go back just a little bit to, um, the interventions. Uh, can you give us an example of, um, why just, even an unassisted natural birth is somewhat of a stressor uh, to mom and baby. And then um, how any intervention on top of that could compound and uh, maybe insult 
the nervous system or immune system or the 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 growing developmental um, course of that child, just so people can get some context into sure. to if birth is a stressor, and then because a lot of people don't know that, and then also you know anything that compounds um, the risks. Correct. So, in general, Liam had the trifecta of neurological insults at birth. At birth. Um, to begin with, the physical stressors. So, when we talk about the neurological insult, want to clarify the three T's: toxins, traumas, and thoughts. So, as far as the trauma, that's the physical stressors. Now, it can be the absolute unicorn rainbow birth, giving giving birth completely naturally in a stream in Colorado, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's still going to be very stressful because of the pathway that it takes for a baby to becoming, um, becoming earthside. Mm -hmm. Now, when you add in other physical stressors to that, meaning any vacuum extraction where they're putting all these extra pounds per pressure on very fragile and just sensitive neurological tissue, specifically talking about the brainstem for infants. Then we have pounds per pressure being pulled on that brainstem. Then we, I didn't ever have a C-section, but if we're talking about neurological insults for physical stressors at birth, it's very important to talk about C-sections because when an infant is being basically torn from a mother's womb, we have not only pounds of pressure pulling upward, but then we also have twisting and, and just ripping and, oh man, it's very stressful. So, um, you know, vacuum extraction is the new forcep. Um, forceps in and of itself is also huge when it comes to the physical stressors because there shouldn't be anything that's on an infant's neck. Now, there are sometimes when we have shoulder dystocia, and um, meaning that it's a difficult birth because the, the shoulders can't get past um, the pelvic inlet. But a lot of these things can be prevented and can be um, be helped along with regard to palliative care when it comes to chiropractic. So a lot of these things can be talked about beforehand and then having you know game plans during. Sure. But you didn't have any of these resources no, at no. this point. Yeah. So no. you had the vacuum extraction and I guess the chemical stressor would have been that you got an epidural. Is that? Epidural. Then on, um, right after Liam's birth, he had the full vitamin K, hepatitis B vaccine. Um, and then even after that, they told me I wasn't able to breastfeed. So why so? I, I, I don't know. I don't know why they told me that, but um, we immediately supplemented. It's almost as if they don't want women to do what their bodies are naturally supposed to be able to do. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that breastfeeding is easy because it's not. I had to learn for both of my babies and um, the babies have to learn as well. Um, I think what women really have a hard time with nowadays is that we have all these people telling us we can't do it and that we should supplement. And we forget that an infant's tummy is tea tiny. And then we forget that our, our bodies were made to do this. And we forget that it's a learning process, no matter what it is. So, um, with Liam, I supplemented pretty, pretty early on, which obviously 
did not sit well with his tummy. He was constipated from the moment he was born. And um, the last one, emotional stressors. Good golly. Yeah. You went went into it under (laughs) quite a bit of distress. So so. we could could, uh, get a picture of, you know, think of a, I think of, you know, getting chased by a bear out here in Colorado, but Mm -hmm. you're kind of in this state for months on end because you have lack of support system and your husband is at war and it's just, yeah, you're going in stressful. So then uh, tell us, tell us what happened after that. So then the emotional stressors happen and um, even more so with the house burning down, um, having to take care of all of that by myself and also learn how to be a mom. We were living in a hotel for a few months and um, it just, it just kind of went along those lines. My husband came home from Afghanistan we moved in with um, his parents in New Orleans. Um, at that point is where the story comes to his vaccine injury. And I think along those lines, I didn't notice some of the things that were were um, not quite right, but were deemed as normal in our communities now. And what I mean by that is that it's not normal for a kid to be sick all the time. It really isn't. And the the huge contrast between my firstborn and my secondborn and their early lives with regard to sicknesses. Lana Rose is never sick. She's never had anything. And Liam could <laughs> could be sick enough sickness for for in his first 2 years to last anybody else's lifetime, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so what, um, before you get into the story where this takes a turn here, uh, can you just tell our listeners, because some people just may not know uh, anything about what, what exactly is a vaccine injury and exact, um, do you know if there was some certain dosage or shot or something that, that, and uh, made his body react uh, in such a negative manner. Yes. So um, I don't necessarily like to say that it was this vaccine or that vaccine because neurologically speaking, it's more of the straw that broke the camel's back per se, especially when we're talking about the neurodevelopment. Now, I can pinpoint the exact time when he had an extreme reaction. And, uh, but at the same time, those, he had smaller reactions beforehand that were never. So the, the biggest one for Liam is that after he had, he was 18 months and he had his 18 month checkup where he had the MMR is when, um, that evening, I gave him his bath and he looked like he was having a hard time breathing where I could see his rib cage. And every time he he was breathing in, it looked as if like he was having a hard time getting anything in. And I remember at that point he was sleeping in his own crib. We didn't co-sleep because we didn't know about the benefits. And I was about to put him into his crib by himself. And for some reason, something was like, "Mm, I don't know if this is right. This feels kind of funny. Well, 
we, I decided I'm going to just take him into the emergency room because again, like I didn't know anything and I was by myself. So I decided just to listen to this, to this point, it was, he had, even though he had, uh, you had observed that he was sick and there were little symptoms along the way that um, he was walking at this point though, and talking and Oh, yes. All he, these things. Okay. Everything. This kid was repeating absolutely. He was a parrot. He would repeat everything. And he was running and smiling and happy. And um, you can tell looking back that some of his pictures and videos that I had, this poor kid had like dark circles under his eyes. He was barely, he couldn't, he couldn't eliminate anything. He was so constipated that it was just this constant fight with trying to get prune, enough prune juice in him or caro syrup that people told us to put into his bottle. I mean, it was like a, a toothpaste tube, like trying to get poop out of him. It was really awful. It was so painful for him. But so when, up to this point, then the 18 months happened and then some you immediately after like same day, there's something within your intuition or what you say in, in one or your explanation, your bio is like your mommy got started yeah. talking. Yeah. It okay. So tell us when you went to the hospital, what happened? We went to the hospital and, um, I asked them if there was a correlation between his vaccines that he had earlier that day and why he was having, um, troubled and labored breathing. And they just, you know, basically, Oh no, 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 no way. No way. But at the same time, he's like not breathing. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so then all of a sudden we go into this, you know, crazy mode. He's having breathing treatments because he can't breathe. And um, finally, after a full night in the ER, they released us. And very slowly after that, it's, it's almost as if he, his like spirit left his body because he wasn't talking anymore. He was so sick and swollen and he just would look straight through you. And it was little by little. I, I think it's really unfair that when we look at vaccine injuries, they, they expect like this overnight, this is what it is, but it's not like that. It's very much like this slow, is this something I need to be paying attention to what's going on here? And it gets to a point where you're like, wait, I know I'm not crazy. This is absolutely different. This kid is not the same. Um, and it can happen like that where it's just very quick overnight, that type of deal. And there, there are definitely some stories like that, but that wasn't Liam's. Liam's was, we had this event. And then from then on, it was a very slow and gradual loss of who he was. And he was just lost. I think that's the best way to describe it. Cause he, it's like his eyes and his pupils. I mean, he just was looking straight through you and, and didn't even recognize himself in space. So I remember you writing in to me that, uh, quote, he stared into space, his body being completely disconnected from his environment. Yes. And so what were some other things you said? Some, uh, some, he started to have sensory issues. Oh, golly. Um, and so tell us a little bit about this kind of slipping away and, yeah. And what happened after that? One of the biggest changes that I saw, I think the one that made me listen to my mommy guide even more because everybody was telling me, oh, well, boys take longer to talk and 
he'll talk eventually. It's going to be okay. But um, he replaced words and parroting with just like moaning and just, ah, instead of words. He would point to things and he would get so frustrated because he couldn't communicate. He would sit in silence and just spin wheels on his cars for, he could do it for hours. He would line up his toys and he would just be completely silent and, you know, just not even wanting to be a part of anything and okay with it. He was completely fine with it. He didn't really want to make friends. He didn't care about that. Um, The feeling of water on his hands was painful to him. Um, We could not get haircuts because the haircut, I mean, we would have to hold him down because he would just scream in pain. It hurt him so bad. Um, Holding him and hugging him. And he was such a loving kid. And he still is to this day. (laughs) He's got the biggest heart. Um, He just, it hurt him. He couldn't do it. Um, any sort of bugs being around him. Mind you, we were in Southeast Louisiana where <laughs> like bugs are everywhere. Mm-hmm. And the sound of it would be too much for him. Flushing a toilet, vacuum cleaners would literally hurt him because it was too much. Um, bright lights were too much. Um, did you reach out for help at this point? To, what, what did you guys try? Who did you talk to? Oh gosh. So, uh, because we're still military at this point and we're, um, we have basically my mindset. And I, I love how, when we talk about the mindset of Liam's early years versus the mindset of Lana's early years, I can really differentiate those times based upon how I thought about health, because if our insurance covered it, then that's what we'll do. So with Liam, I I was telling my husband, no, there's something wrong. There is something wrong. And that is a very painful thing to go through as a parent. Saying that something is wrong with your child and realizing it and then having to convince other people to believe you <laughs> to begin with. Like there's something wrong. Please believe me. I'm not crazy. There's something that needs to happen. I don't know what the heck it is, but there's something wrong. And then Googling, trying to figure out what's going on, that really kickstarted things because nobody believed me. And my husband said, you know what? Let's see. Let's go um, to our pediatrician and see what they say. My pediatrician looked at us and said, oh, no, he can, he can make slight eye contact. There's no way he has autism. <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, Is that I don't, what you were thinking at that point, or did yeah, you yeah. really not know, not being, not really being educated at that point, well, or was that for your own research? Yeah, that was after my own research. Um, after googling, um, you know, basically speech regression. That was my biggest thing because other stuff I didn't really understand yet, and it wasn't like um, a light bulb moment. More than you know, the the speech. Because for me, the most painful thing was to watch my kid go from talking all the time to completely silent and struggling just to say he's hungry, you know, 
and get having a complete meltdown because I didn't understand what he needed. You know, that was really painful for me. And I, I, and quite frankly, between my husband and I, I think we look back and I think for us, as long as we could bring speech back, that was our goal. We didn't care about anything else. We just wanted him to, you know, be able to talk to us again. Um, and it's just funny because that really was the start of everything. When I Googled the speech regression, that was the first thing that came up was autism. And this was new, like not a lot of people knew about autism. Um, you know, it wasn't really the fashionable thing, I guess. And, um, our pediatrician said no, but said that if we would like a referral for a pediatric neurologist, then we could. So obviously I'm like, yeah, let's go do this. Let's figure out what's going on because we didn't know anything. Mm-hmm. Well, oh golly, I look back to that appointment and I still cannot believe that I never made formal complaints because we're sitting here with an almost two-year-old um, in a waiting room and we, they had us waiting for at least an hour and a half. And then we go into his office and Liam's just walking around in the office, kind of pacing, because that's another thing that Liam would do. And, um, the guy just says, oh yeah, he's got autism. I mean, didn't even talk to us about anything, just says, yes, he's got autism. And, um, asked us if we were planning on having any more children which kind of threw us off because we're like, well, why are you asking me that? We're, you know, completely shocked because even though I knew deep down that, that that's what it was, it was still another like blow to our souls basically to hear that. Yeah, for sure. He has autism. Cause then we know absolutely. Okay. We were right. We've got a long road. Um, but then the, the doctor said, you know, basically he's never going to talk. He's never going to be able to be in a social setting. He's not going to be able to explain his feelings. Um, you're, you know, basically your only option is here. Here's my card whenever um, his behavior becomes too too much for you guys. And we can basically just medicate it. And uh, asked that us was if, the only option at that point. Yeah, that was literally all he gave me. And he asked me if we were going to have any more kids. And, you know, John and I were like, well, I mean, God willing, I don't know. And that's when he said to us, and um, I will like generally quote him saying, well, if you are going to have more kids, you need to be tested, um, genetic testing, because then you can find out if you do become pregnant with another child, you can have the baby tested and decide whether or not you want to keep it. So in general, basically told us we should have aborted our son. And it, it it was kind of one of those moments where I just knew something, no, this is wrong. I can't believe that he just said that, but we were just in shock to begin with. So, um, wow, I couldn't believe it. So, so then it was like, uh, I, I am getting that now something's going to come. The mommy gut is in full force uh, <laughs> and full you force. refuse to believe or even accept that that was the the reality forever at this point right so so where did it turn from there did you just try other stuff did you talk to other people i'm sure that this is you know this is gonna a lot of moms and and fathers or will identify with some of the things you've already 
disclosed to us that it's like, yep, I've been on that journey. So what'd you guys do next? <laughs> okay. So I kind of went crazy for about three months. Um, I every waking moment of my life, I barely slept for about three months where I just researched what is autism? What has, what has this parent tried? What has this parent tried? Literally just like if somebody would have said online that they put mud on their child, I would have done it. Mm-hmm. So we found um, speech therapy, um, looked into ABA therapy, which is applied behavioral analysis. Um, and we looked at occupational therapy and we found a Dan doctor, which is a medical doctor um, that specializes in autism. And uh, the Dan stands for Defeat Autism Now. Um, we were seeing Dr. Stephanie Cave, which unbeknownst to us, it, she is world fam- famous. So it was actually really interesting because this is back whew, back in 2011 when all of this happened. And um, at that point, she had a six-month waiting list. Wow. And if you were to call now, she would have a three-year waiting list. And that if that tells you anything about the progression of you know where people's mindset is, like where what they expect from our medical community, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's it's really interesting. Um, but anyway, so we went to go see Dr. Stephanie Cave. She was like a complete one hundred and eighty from this pediatric neurologist. The first thing that she did with us was pray. She prayed over our son. She prayed with us <laughs> to the point where just thinking back, she was definitely healing for me because she finally acknowledged my fears. She acknowledged the journey that we were going to have to go on. And she was there to help us. She knew that at this point, um, we were reaching very far into our savings and we didn't care. We were going to try literally anything to help him. Um, tons of functional med tests, including, um, blood tests. We found out that he has an MTHFR mutation, which is very common in autistic kids. Um, especially when- Is that genetic for someone that might not know? Yes. It's, um, it's basically a mutation that is passed on from either mom or dad or both. And, um, there's several different types of mutations and each of them are different with regard, regard to severity. You can have more than one copy, um, and so on and so on. Um, but basically what this mutation inevitably does is it reduces the ability of your body to detoxify itself. And it specifically talks about homocysteine, which is a byproduct in the Krebs cycle. Um, it causes an elevation of homocysteine in the blood, which basically becomes toxic. So a lot of other functions become less optimal. And, and so um, in general... Do you think that some of the things that were going on before he was vaccinated, had you known even that, would, would that have helped... Decision-making yes. and also my other question is, uh, should that be known before someone even chooses whether or not 
their child should even be vaccinated or they should alter their schedule is, is how important is knowing that? Oh my gosh. I think it is extremely important, especially because nowadays it's something that is so rampant. We, we see a correlation between that mutation, autism, tongue and lip ties, and now cheek ties. Um, and it's crazy to me. My husband has two copies and both of my children have one. Um, for females, it's even more difficult because what my daughter will eventually hopefully not have to really deal with, but with women that have the mutation, it can cause infertility. It can cause extremely painful menstrual cycles. Um, and it's more of a hormonal aspect with regard to females. But I think it's absolutely necessary to to check um, the MTHFR mutation, especially if you have a, an infant that has a difficult latch. <laughs> it's probably a tongue or lip tie, which probably means they have the MTHFR mutation, which probably means you need to take things slow. And if you're comfortable um, and you make that decision as a family not to vaccinate, there's a lot that is to be said about um, the biochemical uniqueness and the threshold that each one of us has at certain ages and throughout different stages of neurodevelopment. Yeah. And it's, I think it's so important just to add this is that this is one of the reasons I do this podcast is because I like to bring things that are quite controversial and I like to get different, uh, different perspectives because I know that part of anyone's healing uh, story or anybody's healing and health journey is that we oftentimes uh, get stuck in perspective. And we, it is so important to know that there, there are reasons and there's thinking behind uh, why not to just follow this guideline after this guideline after that guideline, because it doesn't, our uniqueness doesn't apply to everyone. You know, it, yeah. it applies to us. And so uh, I just thank you for bringing that up because it's so important to, one, be acknowledged mm -hmm. that you are unique and every person is unique. And I think that that brought you such a, a array of hope for that doctor to even acknowledge the fear and also acknowledge that you are a normal person that had an experience and that you're not you're not crazy for thinking this and you know more than anyone. And I think mo any mom out there would agree, you know, your son better than anyone. And I tell okay. my client, you better listen to that mommy gut even over me, because if you get a bad feeling about it, then we need to explore why. Right. Oh, that's so big because, and, and you know what though, that also brings into effect the, the, the trifecta of all of the different stressors. Because mm -hmm. stress is a stress is a stress. If that stress is an emotional stress, that can hold just as heavy and if not more than a physical stress or a chemical stress. Right. It's, our bodies and our nervous systems do not differentiate between the types of stressors. There's the only one response. Mm. So definitely, definitely a, a very interesting topic because, you know, neurodevelopment and neurological insults and the uniqueness that we each are, even identical twins have a completely different 
neurological pathway with how they've dealt with things just because of their perspective. So, yeah, it is important. It is important. So when you, um, when you and your husband were were kind of trying it all and you were, you, the savings were being drained and you were working with this doctor, what, uh, what happened at your best friend? uh, I, I, as I understand, it's a chiropractor. Yeah. Okay. So tell, tell us where that entered into Liam's story and what, uh, what sort of changes you were seeing after, after engaging with a chiropractor? Oh, golly. This is the moment that changed all of our lives. So after all of the different therapies that we were um, doing with speech, OT, ABA, and all of the, um, the therapies with diet and supplements, et cetera, et cetera. We saw some improvement. Um, and when I say some, I, I, I mean, you know, he's now experiencing echolalia where he wasn't talking before, but he was like, he could kind of say one or two words. So he looked less foggy. So I was like, okay, we'll, we'll take this. That's going somewhere. And it, I think that also brings out, um, you know, when we start talking about chiropractic and the efficiency of chiropractic and removing interference and how everything else just works better because of chiropractic and your nervous system being clear and free of interference. So, um, yes, all of that stuff is beneficial, but his body and his nervous system was not ready yet because his body and his nervous system was very much in protection mode. So um, my best friend, she <laughs> very she planted the seed far before Liam was born and was telling us about chiropractic and how, you know, how great it is. And, you know, at that point I was under the impression, oh my goodness, I don't have neck and back pain. Why would I see a chiropractor? She must be a quack. And I'm like, I love her to death, but what is she talking about? She must think she's crazy. All she wants to do is have me spend a ton of money on whole foods and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of, you know, satiated her by like, oh, yeah, sure. You know, I'll I'll go to a chiropractor or whatever. Well, we went. (laughs) Thank God we did. Because we took Liam to see uh, Dr. Kathy in Baton Rouge at Get Off My Nerves Chiropractic. She is, um, wait, wait, what was the name of her practice? Get off my nerves. Chiropractic. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, look, I have seen a lot of, uh, practice names, but (laughs) that probably is one of the best I've heard. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Kathy is such uh, an amazing woman. She really, really was, um, she saw our family and, and saw us as family. So I'm really, really blessed to have had her as our chiropractor. And, um, to this day, I still contact her every once in a while, just saying, Hey, but we took Liam to see Dr. Kathy. And this was kind of a last resort, right? You you like, I'll try anything. Yeah. Well, I mean, we would have tried anything. Um, I think at that point it was, we really did. Honestly, if I am completely truthful, I didn't think it was going to do anything. And I was honestly just like, oh, you know what? I'll just take him. Kim, uh, Dr. Kim, excuse me. Dr. Kim says, you know, just try it whenever. Well, we went. Um, at first, Liam, uh, for probably about like a month, 
we were unable to get any cervical or upper cervical neck adjustments because he was so sensitive. He didn't want to be touched. Um, but his first adjustment, we came home and he pooped for the first time, like ever without any, uh, suppositories without him screaming in pain. And, uh, so my, my husband and I looked at each other, we're like, Psh, I don't even care about anything else. We're just going to keep going because of that. Mm -hmm. um, it was a small thing, but it was such a big win for you. It was a huge win for us because it's, I mean, there's nothing worse than, you know, the emergency room, literally knowing your family because we had to go for impaction so, so frequently. Um, it's how terrible. I mean, as an adult, if you have a tummy ache or if you're constipated as an adult and you can explain your feelings and you can justify what you're feeling, it's still terrible. But imagine a little two-year-old not understanding why his body is in so much pain just from, you know, eating, you know. You're right. So um, he finally pooped, no blood, no, no clenching, no bath time to, like, help him relax. Like, he just pooped. Mm -hmm. So we kept going. Okay. What happened and, after that? Um, what was interesting is that um, I don't know why. I decided to start doing it, but I was keeping a journal and every single day, Liam needed to, he had to write a letter and we would pick together. It was mostly on my part, what, um, we would draw that would represent that letter. So Apple for a, you know, things like that. And every single day we did that. And very slowly but surely, all of a sudden I recognized that before he would barely be able to put any pressure onto the paper um, and be able to write. He wasn't the kid that wanted a color. No, no, no. Because it hurt him to put pressure. And then all of a sudden, it was probably about the six-month mark. Um, his journal entry was just like, scribble this, scribble that. Golly, it was just night and day. And, um, I recognized that we had taken him to go to a haircut. He didn't scream for the first time. I mean, it was insane. And I think, um, and this was about six months after, uh, starting chiropractic care and then also continuing to do some of the things that were supportive. Correct. Correct. Yeah, okay. Um, I think I'm, I'm actually, very happy that I, um, was not looking at chiropractic as like the healing, um, uh, like almost like a pill, you know what I mean? I'm very thankful for that because I would have missed it. How were okay. you, how were you observing? Like what, what was it to you at that point that was like, okay, this is the thing that we've done different. And this is what I'm noticing. Yeah. Um, honestly, the only thing that was important to me at that point was that he was pooping and um, it was kind of like, I, I feel blessed to not have looked at things with like a microscope, you know, I feel like nowadays, um, parents, we, we try to, is this working? Uh, well, this is the change I see. And, and I, I feel very blessed to be able to not have that experience because we just did it because it, we had this gut feeling that it, it was good for him. And he was a happier kid because he could poop, you know? Right. And he was showing interest in like drawing and putting pressure yes, and doing things yes. that were causing him pain in the past. Right. 
And so then what, what, what other kind of things started to open up? So he started saying words and he started talking again and he was expressing himself. And what was the first word he said? Oh gosh. Okay. So his first word before he lost speech was dog, doggy. And his first word, I like to make sure that I will always remember this because it's important with his journey. His first word after regaining speech um, was car. And the reason why (laughs) cars, um, but it was funny because he started saying the word car. And then very quickly after that, he said his first sentence, which was, I see cars. Mm. And um, it was just, I, I can remember telling our speech therapist the amount of the, how many words he could say, because we could say it on, on, we could count it on one hand. And then it was as if finally his body could do it. And neurodevelopment just kind of just went crazy at that point. It snowballed. And from, you know, one point, maybe three months later, when he started regaining speech, then I couldn't count how many words he knew and was using. And it was glorious. And um, it was funny because at the same time I was attending LSU and I was deciding my major and I wanted to be a neurologist because after doing all of this research and all of this stuff where looking up autism and seeing what's happening, I, I honestly was so touched by our Dan doctor that I'm like, I got to do this. Hmm. And like these parents need to know about this stuff, completely oblivious to what's going on with chiropractic. And, um, it was the mother's day, mother's day, the Monday after mother's day, after we started chiropractic care. So maybe six months in, right. I was walking my son into his preschool and he told me he loved me for the first time. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I still get a visceral response because it was so beautiful. And <laughs> it was just funny because I had, I had this huge response and like, and I feel so blessed being able to remember that because it was at that moment, <laughs> I knew I had to be a chiropractor because that was the only difference. It was chiropractic that allowed his nervous system to basically chill out and heal and allow for his body to heal itself. And I knew I couldn't go through med school basically saying, hey, do all of these drugs and do all of the, basically offer what the the pediatric neurologist offered. You know, that doesn't help anybody. It didn't help me. I know that. So it was at that moment that I decided to be a chiropractor and having that experience with my son, it was so powerful because it's so emotional and so healing that I was able to get through a very, very difficult education path <laughs> right. and keep my head afloat. And I think the most, one of the most amazing parts of that is that you were told he's not going to do any of this. Mm-mm. And so you have this war within yourself of like, well, I'm seeing differently than what I was told. Right. And like you said, I think one of the hardest parts for you, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but just 
how important that communication is between parent and child. Like how frustrating that may be to be like, I can't get to you and and they can't tell me what they need. You know, right. I mean, is that like a, is oh, that wow. fair to say? So what would you, what would you tell parents out there that are in a situation where, you know, they, they may not be sharing the exact same challenges that you guys did, but um, how important would, would it be knowing what you know now and, and having this experience really drive you to um, be a specialist in pregnancy and pediatrics and special needs? What would you tell families um, to, to do at this point? knowing what you know now? 100%. Listen to your gut. Strengthen your gut by, by asking a million questions. As a doctor, it is your job to teach. As a patient and as, God, as a human being, take your health into your hands. When, when you go into it, if you want to start a family, you need to find the people that are going to support what you want. What is your birth? This is your baby, your body, your birth. These are things that are important. Going to go about uh, creating a birth plan or that you said like a birthing system that when push comes to shove and you're in the heat of a situation, all that has been looked at beforehand. So there's no panic. What, what, is some, what are some few first steps there for someone? I like to give uh, my patients different websites. I like them to educate themselves more in, in every type of media. So listen to podcasts, listen to um, read different books. Ina Mae Gaskins, love her. Um, I, I give them resources for watching things like Vaxxed, The Greater Good, The Business of Being Born. Watch it together with your spouse or your partner because they need to be just as informed as you do. Sure. And then on top of that, you need to start reading into um, different types of birthing techniques. Do you want to do all natural? Do you want to do a hypnobirth? Do you want to do a water birth? Evidence-based birth is also a really great resource because it's a website where it gives you unbiased statistical information and different steps that you can go um, and, and basically choose for yourself what you feel comfortable with, because yeah. as, as a provider, it's not our job to make that decision for them. It is our job to provide the different resources and saying, Hey, these are things you can do. And I will support your decision no matter what it is and try to help you and guide you in whatever health goal you have. It's, I can't tell my patients, you should have this type of birth because it's best for you. How do I know what's best for them? Mm. Only they know that. Sure. And hence strengthening the intuition and the gut and really listening to that, which we all inherently have uh, an internal compass, right? That says, hmm, something doesn't seem right here. And so what you're saying is really, really try to develop the ears to, to trust that. Correct. Correct. Yeah, and, and I love that. And I'll put, I'm going to put all these resources. If, if actually, uh, we'll email back and forth maybe a few times after and I'll make sure that I get any resources that you, you would give your family or your clients. Um, I'll make sure that those get on the, the notes. 
Absolutely. In closing out here, um, I just want to bring it full, kind of full circle is like you've had another child since. Yes. Um, and Lana, you said there's some differences, you know, between uh, Liam's recovery and uh, also Lana's health. So just to close up here, how how's Liam doing today? And how old is he? Tell us a little bit about how his that's gone. And then also tell us, give some moms or some families some hope for um, what you perhaps some of the things you did different with, with Lana. Uh, complete 180. Well, it's it's important to note too that when we found out we were pregnant with Lana Rose, we were right in the thick of things with Liam's recovery. Hmm. And so at this point had Lana was also a surprise. Um, but at this point we were definitely not trying and I was terrified that whatever it was I did, I had a lot of guilt behind my son's autism, a lot. Um, and that was something I had to work out as a mom and even as a, a doctor of chiropractic. So, um, I did everything differently. I didn't eat any deli meat. I didn't eat tuna. I didn't have any ultrasounds with Lana. I didn't. I had vegan everything. I did absolutely everything differently because I was terrified that I caused my son's autism. I um, was very well educated. I was getting under chiropractic care um, for her birth and I planned on doing everything naturally, um, meaning no drugs and um, a vaginal birth as well. And I didn't want anybody touching my baby. I didn't want her vaccinated. And I did not want her to have even like the pinprick for vitamin K. I didn't want anything. So I needed to make sure that I had the support system. Um, so I got a midwife instead of an OB. And I wanted to make sure that I had enough information that I felt comfortable with, um, where I was nonstop getting information about ultrasounds and um, even the Rogam shot and um, different birth techniques and some ways that I can help improve my birthing experience. So that way I can do what I wanted to do. Um, Lana's birth, I, I, it was so healing and it was amazing. It was so powerful. I pulled my daughter. Out what? Oh my gosh. I pulled Virtually her out. Myself. Or... Yeah, no, it was everything that I wanted and more. I listened to my body. It was textbook. And, um, she was fast and furious seven hours from start to finish. And I pulled her out on my hands and knees and she latched immediately. Um, and she nursed for an hour. So it was like the community, like just connection between us from the start was huge to begin with. Yeah. Um, after that, um, she was like, <laughs> She never had anything. She was always a very, very healthy little girl. And um, she has developed perfectly, you know. So there's a huge contrast between Liam and Lana because Liam always struggled. Liam was always sick. Liam always had uh, belly issues. Liam was on medication from day one. Lana had nothing like that. She was and has she has she had a different uh, uh, learning experience, a different approach for her health as 
Oh, 100%. Yeah, what's your, what's your, what's her normal, just keeping her healthy routine like? Oh, golly. Uh, sleep, adjusting. We have wellness Wednesdays or wellness Sundays, just depending on my schedule and theirs. Um, I, my kids, at least once a week, I, I adjust them and we, we, check, we check them. Um, Liam is very good about um, knowing his body now. So if he has something stressful going on, He'll say, "Hey, mom, I really, I really need you to check me. I think I need an adjustment." Um, and I, I love that that my kids ask for adjustments when when they're feeling anxious or if they're feeling something going on with their, their bodies that don't feel right. <clears throat> and I love that they have that connection with their bodies. Um, so every week we have usually been doing it on Sundays nowadays, and uh, because we'll do a family meal with my mom, and so everybody comes over to get adjusted. And, um, we have our, our supplements that we take, we take probiotics, we take a methyl B12 complex because they both have the MTHFR mutation. It's just something we have to add into their, their routine. Um, we take vitamin D zinc and and everything right now because of what's going on in our, our environment now. Um, and then we reduce the amount of sugars that they are, they're eating. They need to eat they know for sure that before they try to ask me for some pantry pantry snack where it's like a chip or or a granola bar or something along those lines, they have to eat something from um, fruits or vegetables or something along those lines. Um, and they have oh, to get their a good strategy instead of just taking something away, say, we'll just add something healthy on the front end of that. Right, right. I like that. Well, it's just, I, I, I choose to pick my battles. And I know that uh, what they don't know is that um, their bellies are going to fill up with something that's good for them. And so they won't be interested in another snack later. Don't right. tell them I said that. Sure. <laughs> my lips uh, are sealed. And unless they know how to get to the podcast online, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm when, sure they could figure out. Uh, so in, in closing, uh, you know, something that you wrote that was just beautiful is, um, you said you summarize chiropractic with the word hope because your son's diagnosis left you without and chiropractic restored that. And it sounds like also, you know, uh, meeting the Dan doctor along the way of just acknowledging the fears and everything also started to um, shine hope back into your life. How is Liam doing today? Uh, How old is he? And then also uh, what leave us with any parting words that you'd like to, to leave us with? Okay. Um, Liam is 11 now. He'll be 12 in July. And I'm blown away that I, that he's even at that age, he's full blown into puberty. (laughs) Um, and he's doing fantastic. This kid reads books within minutes. He is an incredible artist. He has an incredible heart. He has more empath empathy than anybody I've ever met. And he has a very gentle soul and heart. Um, He is incredibly talented with regard to math and social studies and really kicks butt because he has a lot of like self and like he just knows himself and he knows when he needs to ask for help. So he has been completely mainstreamed. He was in special ed for a while, um, but he's doing fantastic. If you were to meet him, you would never know, um, that before he could not talk and that before he had huge sensory issues. 
now he's just a very careful kid (laughs) and um, he's wonderfully beautiful. Um, I think it's really cool too, because um, he knows this story about himself now. And even today he said that he was so excited that I was doing this podcast because he was going to be famous. So, (laughs) so, you know, he's got some, and he's going to help a lot of people because that, like you said, even though it, doesn't seem to make sense. Like, what do you mean an 11 year old has more empathy? And it's like, due to his experiences, I think there's something so powerful about what comes out in people when they go through dark nights of the souls. And, you know, when he was hurting on the other side of that, he's going to be able to, to help so many people, whatever he does in life, however he expresses his potential. Right. Exactly. And that's really the, the biggest thing is that he, chiropractic brought out that potential. So it was, you know, no hope chiropractic restored it. And it, it literally changed the trajectory of his life, his potential and ours, because now every single day of my life, I am reminded of this miracle that chiropractic provides. I'm reminded by every single person that comes into my, that comes and lays on my table that, you know, I expect miracles to happen. And, um, you know, I can't think of anything more beautiful than that. Hmm. And there you have it, folks. I have to say my my wife is a huge fan of yours, uh, Dr. Aaron. And she said, you know, her story inspires me when I don't, when I'm feeling like I'm not, you know, uh, don't have a story or I, I can't think of anything to say about uh, chiropractic if somebody asked me. And she described you as unstoppable. And I do have to say that I'm so I'm so grateful for you just stepping out and stepping into, you know, not being okay with just a diagnosis or not accepting that someone says your kid's gonna be like this forever. I really appreciate the courage and the bravery and um, thank Liam for being awesome for us. And I can't wait to have him on the podcast someday. (laughs) I think he would be a great addition. That's for sure. Uh, Great. He'll be be a co-host one day. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much. And um, thank you for your time. And there we grow again, Life Alive Tribe. I'm so grateful you stopped by to reawaken your hope, purpose, and passion about this one life we have to live. It's that time for the Life Alive sound off. No matter where you are right now, it's time to pick your chin up, roll your shoulders back, and say, I choose to live a life totally alive.